Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, I can't believe the guest we have today. It's, um, well, you're already to... starting, you're already starting, and now you're going to take off your helmet and swing at them, probably, right? No, we no, have, no, no, no. We have no, to no. be we, civil here, Sean. We are going to be civil, Carlos. We've been trying to get this man by himself. We've had him before with another guest, and it sort of undercut his, uh, <laughs> his time, his wisdom, his thoughts. By the way, this is somebody who was, um, we're going to talk a little bit about social media. We're going to talk a lot about Michigan, Michigan State, what happened Saturday, the reaction, the fallout. This is somebody who got into a Twitter fight yesterday with uh, somebody that used to work at the Free Press, actually. And I, I'm, I'm sure you were, you remember him, Carlos. But uh, anyway, let's welcome in the great Graham Couch, who's a columnist for the Lansing State Journal, who's here to talk us about the weekend, the fallout, and a little bit later, the Pistons, because Carlos... Let's uh, let's start taking a little bit of reader feedback. We had a request to talk about the Pistons today, not the Lions. They asked Ashley specifically said, "Can you please not talk about the Lions?" But you can talk about Aubrey Pleasant if you want in your column. But uh, but they want to talk about the Pistons. And Graham happens to be a basketball guy, so maybe later in the show he'll give us his thoughts on the six foot two inch Cade Cunningham and how he's starting to, how he's starting to ball a little bit. Anyway, thanks for joining us, uh, Graham. Carl, no, thanks so, for having me. Uh, yeah, this, yeah, man. Uh, things are good. It, it seems like a uh, yeah. There's a lot to lot to get into with this with this. What's going on with this game? And I have some thoughts that actually differ from your column a little bit. Uh-oh, All right, that's not allowed. That's not no, allowed. Yeah, no, Graham. that's uh, that's John great. Well, right. Well, All let's the time. Uh, let's start with that. Unless you want to start, Carl's. No, no, no. I want to hear. I want to hear what Mr. Couch has to say. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's reasonable to think that the rivalry in football needs to break that we we've because as much as i i think it is true that like in a lot of aspects of our life michigan and michigan state people coincide they tailgate together they work together they live together um i also think that we have reached a point though where the escalation on social media which is also real life which is also can be dangerous has reached um sort of a venomous tone and brought out the worst in people and brought out the worst people that has escalated things that people feel. And one of the things I'm curious to get a, a take from some MSU players is how much they feel that, how much they feel um, the significance of the rivalry and the you have to win or you are trash coming from the fan base and how much that impacts just how they feel about things. That doesn't excuse what happened in the tunnel. The tunnel is, is, is uh, you, we can argue, is the final straw. And those guys should be held to account, and, and, and it's, it's happening. And, but also, the reaction to that from both fan bases has been at a fever pitch that I have not seen in a bit. And, and I'm, I'm just, I think we would all appreciate it if it was unprotected in 2024, if it was taken away for two or three years. And uh, that's sort of my my thought on it. I'm sort of workshopping a column too on that sense, but I, I you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure where I feel on that, but that's where my, my head is leaning. And uh, it, it's just been different and it's been escalating. And I think this is the worst it's been. Well, if I could just say real quickly, Carl's, first of all, just to set up um, the, a little bit of context here. So I wrote a column, uh, basically arguing that the, the, the last thing we need to do is put a pause on the rivalry and put it to a neutral site or whatever. A lot of these have been suggested and talked about in the last few days. And um, I, I, I mean, first of all, Graham, what you're talking about to me, all due respect is like grounding. 
we're, we're grounding little kids. We're going to take something away from little kids. And I, the problem is we're not little kids. And, um, as a society, I figure uh, to me, this is not, uh, the end as much as it should be a reset, but we don't need to pause in my opinion to do the reset. We've got to figure out a way to, to do this. And I, when I think about the tunnel, the, the, the four players that were suspended, what, what one's a transfer three are from, where they're from California, Georgia, and I can't remember the other state. So the idea that they would come in here and be that angry over something, my, I don't buy it over my card or whatever. I think it's just an isolated thing. Yes, they feel a rivalry. Of course they do. Michigan players talked about that yesterday when, when we spoke to them. But they had they didn't grow up that way. I mean, right? Rod Morris coming from Ohio. He came here assuming the Ohio State was the thing. And, it, you know, it figured out fairly quickly. It's Michigan State because of how we have to live. But to me, and I'm curious about you, Carlos, and what you think about this, but to me, we got to figure out a way to uh, exist. And I also think there's a silent majority out there. And I understand, Graham, you're right. Social media is real life, and there's a lot of toxicity on it. I saw just as much in the last few days on social media, people saying, hey, that's just a few people representing your school. You know, we may feel this way about your school, but we all understand what's what's reality here. And we're not going to let uh, the ramblings of some crazy, not I want to say crazy people, angry people, how about that, and the actions of a, of a handful of players ruin this for everybody. I'm curious what you think, Carlos. Well, you know, it w- one one take that was interesting was our colleague Reiner Sabian in the Free Press wrote a column saying, kind of, aren't we all sort of a little bit culpable here? You know, the way that we've all, including the news media, you know, in the comment sections and what we're writing and stoking the rivalry, you know, and it is, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's just take, it's taken step by step, right. Since the little brother column and all that. And, and uh, you know, the, the marching line at, uh, at Spartan stadium after that. And it's just been, you know, digging their heels in at the Spartan logo. It's just been step by step. And um, I just wonder like the, 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 to me, I don't know that pausing it has um, is really the answer. I do think it. I think Sean, you said something like in your column that it's defeatist a little bit to just give up and say, "Well, you know, there are our worst. Uh, you know, the worst of our humanity has won." I guess if you're, you know, capitulating, I guess by saying we're going to not play this game. Um, you know, I totally get it, Graham. I mean, I think it. I think that's a almost a, a deserving punishment, right? I mean, if you guys can't control yourselves, if you don't know how to, you know, police yourselves, control yourselves, find out how to be civil to each other off the field, you know, um, maybe it has gone too far, but uh, I, you know, I, I do think it's, it's hard. How do you have this rivalry? How do you have any rivalry where the fun part of it is stoking it, you know, of, of talking smack and all this stuff the coaches getting their players riled up, I think didn't, didn't Mel Tucker maybe hand out some trash talk, you know, some bulletin board things, you know, he, he mentioned them and, and then it would be right for any coach to mention them position coaches and meeting rooms, you know, Hey, see what they're saying, blah, blah, blah. You don't even have to even do that. Coach players are going to find that on them on their own on social media. Um, You know, but also getting, getting your players ramped up, whether no matter where they're from, getting them ramped up, all the disrespect, all the whatever, to come out, play a vicious game, you know, um, and then tell them, okay, that's that's it. You know, like, you, we, we don't want you, we only need you to go so far, uh, and then the rest is is too far. And I think they're, Sean, you and I have this argument all the time. These are young men. 
you know, and young men need guidance in their lives. They haven't had that much, you know, um, life experience as far as how to control themselves in, in difficult situations necessarily. And that's where I think you need better, you just need better leadership. Now, that's what I'd like to see is how does this game look next year? How do they control themselves? How do people, how do the leaders respond, the coaches, the administration, you know, because I'd like, I'd like a chance at a redemption. Go ahead, Graham. I, yeah, uh, no, I, mean, I, think, I think those, I think those are all, all good points too. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I can see the argument all, you know, from both sides, I can see the, everything you're saying, Sean. And, um, and that column, and, and, and I, and I get what, but, but I get what Reiner's saying. I think there are a lot of different ways right now. And it is something to sort of talk out why we've gotten to this point, right? Why, why is it like this now? And what is, um, is the cost like there it might have always been headed this way once michigan state got competitive in the rivalry right so that what, what what's really changed is is not only is is the escalation of the tone on social media of a lot of things like this is sort of resembles the worst of our politics in certain ways but it also is a rivalry that forever wasn't is threatening to one side and that creates a dynamic that's just safer it's this somebody's you know kind of a rash on your ass and the other side is like wants hates losing you but if it happens once in a while big freaking whoop and so that is different now and that creates more of a two-sided uh viciousness to it that i don't think existed in my childhood with it i don't think it existed 10 years ago to this degree with it and so i think that's the other thing that maybe we don't know how to live with yet and maybe we can just work through it but also maybe if you step away till 2026, 27, or you, when the new schedule, you, you got a great opportunity if you wanted to do it to not protect it in two years when the 2024, when the um, new schedule comes out, and no divisions, new teams, all that stuff. But would that then say, okay, we do appreciate this. We do. There is something to it we want. And uh, I'm not sure we get there right now. It is. Um, and you're right. It, there, there is you are sort of giving in to the worst of people, but I think those who are pretty reasonable among us understand how bad that's gotten and that it's, it, it's, it's, it's too much that again, if you don't live on social media, you may have no idea any of this has happened. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point too. And who knows? I mean, uh, maybe Twitter will be gone in a year. Oh yeah. Oh, that would be helpful. In some <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. I was talking about this with somebody the other day. It's, it's, you know, I mean, Twitter, when 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 uh trump was booted off of twitter and a lot of people said oh, okay that's ridiculous you know free speech etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm gonna get off of twitter you know i don't know what the numbers were and the, the opposite is happening right now right now that elon musk is is the owner of twitter and his politics are a little bit different and uh, i don't know if you guys have noticed the drop in followers or not i know a lot of people are talking about this and, and not complaining about it but just sort of observing it and who knows it's probably not gonna go uh, obviously that's just uh but you're right i mean what social media does in terms of stoking things i think though that, I mean, even with social media you can find reasonable heads Here, here's here'd be my point though a year is a long time and this needs to start at the top right and the problem is michigan state doesn't have the leadership at the very very top right now is a little bit unsteady but at some point it's not going to be and when that happens, there's going to be an opportunity with the leadership at MSU and leadership at U of M. They have a, a new president, right? It seems to 
always have a smile on his face and get a little bit. In fact, he was at the game the other day. And um, I, I think maybe at that level and enough sort of public service kind of talking, I mean, it's effective, right? It can work that, that we can say, Hey, let's just, let's just remember what this is about. That's never going to stop what you're talking about, Graham. You're right. And, and that's true in every rivalry across the country. And your point about Michigan state winning to me is the biggest one. It's not Harbaugh. It's not Tucker. It's not D'Antonio or whatever. The players in that tunnel weren't thinking about any of that. They haven't even been on campus that long, right? They, they're just lost control in the moment. And, you know, you have to be held responsible for that. And that's okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's okay, but we, we often lose control. Most of us do at some various places and points in our lives, right? We can look back and say we did. Uh, you want to unpack all the reasons. And, I, you know, and Reiner's column, I don't know that they're necessarily related. But the winning is a, a big, big change. You're, I, I can't, I can't disagree with that at all, Grant. Well, my, my big question is, what's your handle on Truth Social, Sean? Because you're obviously not going to be on Twitter much longer. But uh, no, Parlor Man, Parlor, come on. Oh, you're on Parlor, Parlor guy. Okay. Um, yeah, you know that. That's the uh, the, the the question is, you know, um, you know, like like how do you uh, you know, canceling cancel or, or, or pausing the, the rivalry or whatever it is. I mean, you know, like if you, if you extrapolate that, right. You know, well, what about, Oh, the Penn state one got kind of nasty. Maybe we should pause that one or the Ohio state one, you know, and you keep going down that rabbit hole. It's a little bit dangerous, but that's a great point, Graham, about, you know, now that the dynamic, that relationship has changed. Right. And, and I hate to say it, but the Mike Hart thing is kind of like appropriate. The little brother has grown up. You know, and now the little brother doesn't want to be disrespected and 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 it's 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 hard to take, right? Um, but that's that's really where I want to see, you know, how this team responds, how because because it needs to maybe that whole that whole idea is is you know, when you grow up, you you are still you're not a kid anymore, you're a young man, you're a young adult, but you still don't know how to control yourselves maybe that maybe the program does need to go through that you know they the the growing pains of this program but also that within the context of that relationship needs to change and they need to understand you know um maybe michigan will learn something from this i don't know if they will because you always have young people coming through those both sides of the program and you know we need to i mean what did harbaugh say right one of the four goals was one the first one beating michigan state now it's become you know, a thing it's become, you know, an emphasis. So we're going to have to, I, I really like Sean, you're right. It's a, in a year, uh, a year's time is, is, is different. The the thing, the complication is the lawsuits, right? You know, that those lawsuits are going to go after the deep pockets of the university. Um, it's not just going to stop with the players. There's, you know, I don't know if there's going to be, I mean, they're the criminal charges probably, probably, and then maybe probably a, a civil suit on top of that. That's going to add a complication. You know, and what I think, and Sean, I think you, I think you might have mentioned it in your column, but you know, the tunnel. Maybe there's a different way to do it. There's got to be a different way to do oh, that the tunnel. tunnel. The tunnel for me is is like there are two things. People think when you bring up the tunnel that you're saying that what happened was excused in the tunnel. That there, there, what happened in the tunnel is, 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 is there's no excuse for the tunnel is all. As somebody who loves logistics, is the person who handles all the logistics in my own family. I don't understand how this is hard. Like I, I could go down there tomorrow. And none of their tunnel issues would ever be an issue again. 
And, and to me, at a certain point, I can't stand logistical morons. And so at a certain point, <laughs> if you can't get that right, and it's very simple in terms of separating the teams and having a rope that not, no, we're not going up there until they're in their locker room. It's, it's really, it's really quite easy. Uh, you know, you don't need to build another tunnel. You just need to not have the teams go up there at all together. And, and I'm not saying that should ever result in what happened. No, um, I wrote that. I wrote that. Uh, Carlos hates when I say that, but that was in the column today. I made the yeah, same point. It, yeah, we, we agree on that. Yeah, it's, but again, Michigan can't, they have to at least critique that procedure and say there's really no reason this should be even allowed or capable of happening if we knew how to handle this sort of this sort of thing. I, I, you bring up an interesting point, the lawsuits and how those drag. And I do think, you know, I, you, know you see people saying this is, that Harbaugh has culpability in this. And sure, everybody in terms of tone has culpability in it who's in the rivalry. But and, and and I'm not saying that he's um, I mean, he he knows how to stoke things when he wants it. I'm not sure he I'm not sure he hates this. <laughs> it was worse. You know, if you were to have a, a, a but I, I do think with the lawsuit stuff and talking about what should happen to the players and like that's a line to be careful with. Like he's really he's really promoting the idea of prosecution right now. Yeah. And, and yeah. that that that's something he can temper back because that doesn't that doesn't help. Um and so that that's one area that I think I would, um, you know, if, if I were Michigan, I'd say, hey, let's let, let's let's let this play out. Let's let the authorities have their role, them do it independently. Whatever the players want to do, it's their right. If they want to sue somebody. That's their right to do it. But Jim Harbaugh doesn't need to be part of that, pushing that conversation. He watches a lot of Judge Judy, unfortunately. That's well, I, I mean, just problem. let me, you know, and I, I have. My my thoughts on Jim Harbaugh, like a lot of people's, are are complicated, right? Because he's there's lots of stuff to him, lots of parts to him, lots of different layers. But if I'm a coach, like an onion. if I'm a coach and you put yourself in those shoes, and I know you can do this, Graham, and you see video of somebody taking a helmet to your kid's skull, it, it that that's going to stick with you for a few days. We're not talking about several months here after the incident. We're talking about this was Monday. So he said what he said yesterday about the law or the criminal charges two days later. Yeah. And so I, I think there's a grace period in there that he's allowed whatever else you say about him. And you're right. They both stoked the rivalry. But I mean, my goodness, you're a soccer guy, man. There's stadiums in Europe where Protestants and Catholics sit together. Totally. And and yeah, occasionally they have, oh, my God, it's too much. And they're fighting. In it, and then they figure it out. They don't stop the soccer games. Right. They they don't stop those rivalries. Occasionally, and, uh, it bans fans for a year, though. Yeah, I mean, right, so, like, right. There are right. a lot of soccer teams in empty stadiums <laughs> around the world right now, and, and maybe that's where would that you know. Like, what I'm saying is, uh, you know, the TV partners would still have their game. The um, the uh, no, I, I, no I like I, the I, like the fan that got banned for reaching down to Mel Tucker, right? And right, which was handled well. That, and that it, was, it was, and Mel Tucker, what Mel Tucker did, Graham, that was handled well. And I mean, so far, the the way it's been handled has been, pretty, you know, real quickly, Graham, and I don't know if you saw this, Xavier Henderson, the safety. So when the when the ABC tunnel footage came out, and we get a little bit more picture of actually there's some Spartan players trying to make a difference and break that up, and Henderson was one of them. The reaction I saw in a lot of Michigan places is, and I'm trying to remember his numbers, three maybe is Henderson's number three. Henderson, yeah. And they're, they're like, wow, number three, that's what a classic guy. And, there was, and this was from U of M people. There was an awful lot of that. And I still think that's our nature. That That's our base nature when we're not getting stoked and fueled up. I, I get it. We can do both. But 
I, I think that if just settles down a little bit, we'll, we'll figure out that, yeah, this is, this is okay. And we can navigate this. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's, I, I don't, I don't know that it settles down though. Does it feel like anything settled? I mean, does it feel like, I mean, maybe this is a point where it's a mea culpa and, and, and people and, and, and sort of reasonable heads prefer or prevail. And the, the number of people who are in that camp outweighs the other. And it's sort of like, yeah, we're not, you know, this is, that's enough. Um, I, I do know that this game has a way of really interrupting the season and probably does for both teams. And like, and the bye week shouldn't happen again, first of all, on the buildup that, that can play it on a Thursday night, you need three <laughs> days build up, whatever it is, but you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't get two weeks into this. And that falls on the schedule makers and the TV partners. They need to understand if there are things that game can't have, if a game can't be at night. I'm not saying this is, it was fine in 2017 at night. I'm not saying it can't be at night, but I'm just saying whatever variables add to any problems need to be understood. And the one was the bye week that, that created two weeks of, of, of build and track. Like usually one, at least one team is distracted up to like five days, six days before it. And so it doesn't have that, that, and that's the, there's no bye week next year. That, that should never, that should never happen again. Because I do think that again, we can't handle it. And you can say, well, we're adults, we should get it. You can say that about a lot of things in life. And, and again, I do think there are tons of neighbors and tailgate friends and families who are on both sides who handle this uh, with reason and, and civility and decency. But it is, there's no question that the vibe out there and the way we interact on social media, which is our chosen way to interact mostly in life these days, is... Um, different than anything i have seen i would agree and carl has some questions but he's going to ask them he tells me right after we take a quick break here and uh you know we i don't know andrew needs a break the producer needs a break we got to pay some bills and graham certainly understands that we will be right back with more free press sports with uh, just carlos apparently welcome back to free press sports with carlos and sean carlos you have questions lots of them I have many questions, Sean, mostly about you, but uh, we'll we'll table those for another time. We'll we'll do some therapy with you later. But um, our uh, our steam producer Andrew Hammond, who now requires to be mentioned before Anjanette Delgado in his contract, so we have to bring him up. Um, he brought up a good point at the break, and but it was something that I was thinking about. Actually, I didn't totally steal his idea, but you know what does what does a year from now, you know, if uh, if Michigan State Athletics Provost Graham Couch doesn't get his way and the, the, the rivalry continues and we play it next year, um, <laughs> what does it look like? Um, and I want to ask you guys that because my my guess is it's going to be, uh, you know, the two teams getting together to hand out turkeys or something and, and uh, maybe a flag football game the week before or something. I don't know. Um, some kind of show of unity between the two programs. What, what is this going to look like a year from now? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's there are a lot of pent up feelings um, that'll make that difficult. I think the other dynamic that's going to be tricky next year is I don't think MSU is going to be any better. Um, so you're going to have a feeling where it's not like MSU is coming into the rivalry from a position of strength, feeling like it's going to win the game. It's going to be, I think, you know, and I don't know what time of team Michigan is going to be next year, but just where the two programs are right now in terms of their rosters. I don't, I don't, I think Michigan State is at minimum two years away from being able to get something in place that resembles that. So I think that creates a challenge. I think they can try to do something ceremonial. They can try to do, they can certainly, I, I think next year there will be 
an effort to temp down the rhetoric. Um, but that I don't know that that controls what's outside of the programs. And I, I think that's where I think that's where the issue is, frankly, other than this isolated incident is because I don't have an issue with any of the off field snark or the tussles on the field after the game where there's a little bit of pushing and shoving and yelling at each other. That's rivalry stuff. What Mike Hart did rivalry stuff. D'Antonio's response to that rivalry stuff. The Joe Bolden stake, dumb as it was when you're not at the better team, rivalry stuff, right? The, Devin Bush, right? Devin, Devin Bush. Bush. I thought that was awesome. Stuff. That was hilarious. That was great. All of that is fine. I, I I think that stuff is part of the fun of it. This rivalry is not fun. It is exhausting. It is venomous. And it is, it may, there may be some people who find fun in it, and it's more fun if you 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 win or whatnot. But I, like the last two weeks leading up to it. I just found very little fun in it. Um, and it used to be a rivalry that sure by the end, by the time the game came around, you'd be like, okay, just play it. But oh, okay. If, if, if this is, this is not a play. This is the, uh, exhausting is the best word about it. Oh, okay. And I get that. And you're old, you're getting older and you, you get tired more easily. And I understand that Eeyore. <laughs> just let me, let me respectfully. And it's funny because I get called out all the time. Let me, let me humbly point hey, who out. Who still has cartilage in their knee? Huh? Yeah, I do. I have, I have no, I have none. Let me just point out that, uh, speaking about a year ago, a year ago, this is how much it can change in a year, right? That's the most fun game in that rivalry in modern times, right? Not only was the game itself, but the anticipation. Remember the, remember the buzz in East Lansing? Remember how hard it was to get the, the traffic alone, trying to get in there. Again, the scene I described in my in, in uh, when I wrote about it was partly based on what happened last year. Now, last year was exponential because both teams were good, and that's part of it. And you're talking about the power dynamic on the field. It was fairly equal a year ago, but last year it was a blast. Michigan fans were bummed they lost, but it didn't really matter because they went on and beat Ohio State and whatever, right? I mean, so. Everybody was kind of happy last year in, in a way, maybe not in the immediate aftermath of Michigan fans, but but it was at least reasonably respectful. It was a great game with great players, and there was acknowledgement on both sides, you know, of the contest. That was a year ago. I don't remember any of this a year ago, none of it. It's it's maybe because you're to your point, Graham, Michigan State has fallen off a little bit. And I would I would point out to you, you 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 make a good point about Michigan State. When are they gonna be able to compete with Michigan again? That it may not be for a couple of years. We didn't think we thought that where they are right now, you and I both thought they were there a couple of years ago, right? After the Minnesota game of Michigan went to Minnesota and who did Michigan state lose to Rutgers at home? Rutgers. Like, yeah, R- right? turnovers, awful game. And the fa- and I remember that, and I still get killed for this column today. And I wrote, God, you know, because Harbaugh had won two, two at that point. And it was starting to look like it was going back to the old Lloyd Carr days where you win, you know, four out of every five. And it was delayed because of that. COVID year and then then the Kenneth Walker year, right? Can we say it was Kenneth Walker? I mean, right? Look what he's doing in the NFL. So so maybe where we thought it was a couple of years ago, maybe that. And I don't know. I I'm curious what you think about that. Are, are we? Do you think we're headed to that kind of phase again? How it was in the nineties? It's, it's a good question. And would that would that settle it down? Well, no, because Michigan State fans have had a taste of something else and couldn't live with themselves. I don't think. And so the the sort of the the snickering and the smuggery or whatever it is that comes from smuggery. being it comes from the Michigan would, would I think Michigan state fans would not be able to handle well. 
Um, that doesn't mean it has to be like, that's fine. If that's where the rivalry is, that doesn't mean it has to be. Um, it doesn't mean just because one side is dominating and one side isn't handling that well, that, that we shouldn't play the game. That that certainly can't be, um, can't be a reason. I, I, I do think though, in terms of where the programs are, that, that is like, that's why this was an important game for Michigan to win emphatically because it's sort of saying, yes, all this recent history says you've, been in control or equaled out the rivalry but in the here and now here's where these two programs are and ours is is, is here and the other is down down here and um i think that is f- fair i mean it, like michigan's offensive line looks like an offensive line of 20 years ago now like they're just and they're controlling the line of scrimmage and michigan state um is just just not there and, and d'antonio at the end the the program you know Talent wasn't great in the program. They're feeling that right now. And the real question is, to what degree can Mel Tucker remedy to that? You know, can uh, in, in three years when he's got three classes in his playing group that are actual classes and not D'Antonio's last class, and not the COVID class, like, is this, is the talent more even? I don't know. I don't know where that's going. Like, it was a great start this year. We'll see, and we'll get a great idea in December what he's going to be able to do, at least in terms of, um, you know, prospect rankings and all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, no, it's, a, I, I think in the here and now, it feels like um, a different rivalry. The question is, is this the new Michigan year in and year out? And is Michigan state going to remain uh, down? And um, I, I, that, I have no idea whether that's, whether that's going to, going to stay either, either one of those dynamics, but next year, I think it probably will. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Is that you know now that <laughs> Spartans fans can't go back, right? I mean, that's it. I mean, the the, the that that dynamic has been changed, and it rightfully should be. And that's that's what's been great about you know the last few years, right? Is is we've seen we've seen a change. We saw it under D'Antonio and Tucker came in, and you know you could just feel it from Michigan fans, right? Like, oh, all right, finally D'Antonio's gone. Things going to change. Nope, here it comes. Here it comes Mel Tucker and. Uh, you know, continuing that, you know, you know, against all odds, right. Making these up, having these upsets. Um, and that's what's, that's, what's going to be hard about this next season. Maybe two is um, if they're going to get stomped again. And, and I guess, I guess how much does that play into the, the coach's rhetoric as far as when you know, you have an inferior team, you have to get your team up somehow. You gotta, you gotta stoke them. You gotta get them, ready and try to get them to believe they're better than they are um play above their heads get them you know i mean it's 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 hard to do it i think in the nfl it's a little bit different you know people getting paid either way but in in college maybe they're getting paid now too but it's got to be hard to get them to 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 reach within themselves you know and i think sean you know even though that some of the players are not from Michigan necessarily, I think they do have an appreciation for this rivalry. I no, mean, they from the do. minute that they're they recruits do. and everything. So I don't think it's, I don't think it takes a lot to get them to understand how much they're, they need to, you know, let's just face it. The, everybody, the fans, you know, they all, they all promote a certain amount of hatred, you know, for the other team. So, most of it's probably good natured, but depending on where you find, you know, Sean, if you go on true social, you probably find different things than if Graham goes on parlor, you know, and different, different points of view, right. Of, of how much you hate and who knows what uh, Elon Musk is going to turn Twitter into and all that. Um, 
but you you kind of grab it. I think social so, social media is so interesting because you tend to gravitate toward I think your proclivity for how you like arguing. You know, like you find the nasty stuff if you kind of like that flavor. You find the funny cat videos if that's your flavor. You know, um, so you know, I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see. I I really am fascinated to see what's going to happen next year. Um, and especially, um, being in at Spartan stadium, right. That's the, that's the great thing, right. It's the, the, the back and forth and, and how they're going to handle it. Um, and I will say just this is so far it's, it's still early in the process, but for the most part, I've really, really been, uh, impressed with how both sides have handled it, you know, how the coaches have handled it. Um, you know, the administration for, you know, so far the big 10, you know, how they've handled it and that it didn't, it didn't extend. It wasn't coaches saying, you know, coach Harbaugh needs to shut his mouth and tuck, you know, Tucker needs to control his program. And, you know, it hasn't gotten, it hasn't got extended beyond that incident. You know, I don't think we've heard from, the official teams, the players, the coaches, administrators, uh, being nasty about, uh, you know, accusing each other, uh, about this incident. So, um, I'm glad that at least it hasn't, cause if, if I think if it goes there, that's crossing a different line that, that is probably only going to further the, whatever the acrimony on both sides. Graham, I'd like to, um, I want to get your thoughts on the football side of this with Michigan state and, and, and where you think they're headed. And, and let's put it into this context. As you said earlier, they've got the taste and I agree they've got the taste, but for those that are our age, I still don't think it's um, embedded in the way that you might think it is. I just don't, I, 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 it's still basketball up there, right? Fundamentally. I mean, just like it's football here because of Bo it's basketball up there because of, of Izzo. And I think, well, here, here's where I would disagree. I, but I think there, wait, well, just one second. I, there's a certain resignation. It wouldn't take long to get back to that. I think they understand Antonio was a, a once in a generation kind of thing that it did, that had very little to do with, with selling the Michigan state brand as much as he tried to change it. And I think people understand that most people intuitively up there, I, re, I really do. It's still not the national brand that Michigan is and for better and for worse folks in, in who are associated with that program understand that. Yeah. I mean, except, I mean, first of all, I don't think Michigan state's a, a, a basketball school at all. Um, but well, two things I take offense to our age is a comment, by the way, like, <laughs> <laughs> our age. You go to the games, you see how easily that's, I mean, how shocked were you and I, how full it was at the opening on opening night, right? We, we were, ta- well, no, you weren't there. You had COVID. That was the talk of the press box is how impressive it was. Sorry to yeah. out you on there, but that was, <laughs> no, li- yeah, people, yeah, that, that was literally the talk of the press box that night is how shocking it was. It was full. Yeah, because that's not been the experience, well, and, that's yes. Mel, and that's Mel Tucker in last year, and the expectation of this year, right? Opening night is usually pretty full. Opening night is is usually pretty packed because it's the Friday night, a Labor Day weekend. People are excited for the season. Doesn't really matter the the opponent there. What? But historically, like if yes, there there is there are different age groups that see the schools' athletics differently. If you are um, you know under thirty five years old. You see, you might see it as a truly a basketball school. Uh, if you are over forty-five, you know the pre-Izzo history when it was an NIT, a couple NITs every four years, right? So it, even there, there is a, um, I think, an uncertainty and, and an uneasiness about how stable things are 
for, for, for the end of, for the end of time. And I don't think like when, when I say something's a football or basketball school, to me, it is about what stirs your soul. And I'm going to tell you right now that that school, even fans don't even understand it. Cause in parts of basketball season, I'll put that poll out all the time just to see how it's changing. They think they're a basketball school. They don't even understand the question. It, it is not like it is not who wins most. It is not. It is what stirs your soul. It is what crushes you when it doesn't go well. It is, and, and that that is it is is evenly a divided a, or not divided is the wrong word. It is as balanced a school as I've ever seen in terms of football basketball. But it's ultimately it leans a little football. And Izzo will, will, will say that as well. And and they're lucky it leans the way it does. I mean, there are very few schools that get to when things go wrong in football, just turn the page and care just as much. Right. I mean, if you're at Notre Dame and the football season goes south, even if you've got a good basketball team, you're waiting 10 months before you, before you feel anything. Well, we're real quickly before Carlos gets to his next question. I would just point out that maybe there's nothing for that school like beating Michigan in football as a single as a single moment. I, yeah. I, I would give you that. But I just think that the energy is different in, in basketball. And he's been there longer. And, and that's the thing. And you're right. There's no guarantee Izzo goes that they're going to stay that way. But I, but I think that just they support it and they understand it. It's just different. It's, it's become their identity in a little bit different way. That's, what you're talking about is a larger societal question about Americans liking football more than basketball, which they do. Right. So right, I, right. I think, but, but, I think but, that's all that is. But there are basketball schools too. Illinois, Indiana, things below the I-80. Well, there, Kentucky, there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, for sure. There are places where it, where it truly is basketball first. And, uh, you know, it, it, Michigan State is not, I mean, it's, it's pretty balanced, but it's not over the, it's, I, I would, I would not think that um, basketball, all things being equal, winning football overtakes winning basketball there. That would be my, um, well, that would be true at Indiana if they were eleven and zero and head into the college football playoff. It, it's just it's just because of the nature of the sport in our society. Anyway, Carlos has a question. Well, I have to. I, I can settle this as a non-Midwesterner. There's no question Michigan State is a basketball school. It is. It is thoroughly. It is a blue blood basketball program. And the I'm Champions a Classic, bit, right, Carlos? Yeah. Well, there's a statue outside of Breslin Center that tells you everything you need to know. And when you have an iconic figure like that in that program's history you know, that played the best ever championship, you know, NCAA championship final, um, you know, that, that changed the course of the NBA in some ways. Right. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, they, they won like 10 games the next four years after. You left. Yeah. But they, they still had, they still had magic and they still had the great, great, but Graham's dismissing romanticism and I get it, man. You know, I get he's it. A log, he's a logistics guy, Sean. You know, yeah. And I don't he understand. Get, he doesn't like the emotional. Because he, he peddles edibles. You know what? I would, I would think there'd be a little bit more romanticism going on there. Anyway, I, listen, go ahead, listen, the first time, the first time, you know, I, uh, the first time I went to, to, you know, Spartan stadium. And the first time I went to Breslin and yes, granted they were in, it was in the two thousands, um, you know, after, after is won the title and everything. But, um, I, I tell people, I mean, the, one of the greatest venues, if you, if you have to go to a sports event in Michigan, one of them is Breslin center and no, mean, question. no under, question. with almost any opponent. I mean, that place is hopping. It's just a, a wonderful place. I know Graham's not good. I already see the look on his face. He's, sure. he's not sure. happy with where he has to sit probably. No, no, I'm good with that. Which Sean doesn't. Sean doesn't attend the, the uh, Texas Southern game in December usually. Like, so he doesn't. No, but I. I what are you talking about? We met when I was with the team for two winters. I was at all those games. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, because you had to be. Now as a columnist, you 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 pick and choose. No, but the point is, I've been to those games and seen that experience. And Carlos is right. 
and Carlson's coming from a national perspective. Nationally, there's no question it's a basketball school. But that's we're not talking about. But, that yeah, but, though, that's, right? but that's but that's right. That's different, right? Yeah. Like Michigan, like Michigan basketball nationally is a huge deal. In this in this state, it's it's number eight out of the eight teams, right? You'd argue. So like like there are places where what what you perceive nationally isn't what you really are. And I mean Michigan, I mean. You know, I mean, the Fab Five changed who Michigan is as a basketball school forever. And they've always had that appeal. I think if you went to L.A., Michigan basketball is a big deal still there. I I don't think. No, it's not. No, well, I would argue, Graham, though, that you can't. Those two are not. The Lakers aren't really that big of a deal. L.A. is the wrong place. You found a random eight year old in Phoenix, maybe. But those two things, Graham, aren't aren't necessarily not, uh, you know, not attached to the other. In other words. Michigan State folks understand how they're perceived nationally, and that starts to seep into how you think of yourself. So they are related, right? The, ide- well, the, the so, question so of back. identity. There's no question they're related. Identity is an important word because there is I, – I do think that the winning has fed a self-esteem. It's given them something that they want as an identity. Like, you know, Michigan State hockey, when I was growing up in Lansing, I never went to a game. I mean, we – you couldn't get a ticket in this town. We didn't have connections like that. We weren't big hockey people, but it was like, uh, you know, that, that was the hottest ticket in town. And it was the hottest ticket in town during basketball season because that was the sport that Michigan State beat Michigan, could win national titles. And it had the, not just the hockey fan, it had the general fan was a place it could latch onto and it could say, this is where, this is where we win. That was, that was, and basketball is, is taken over that. And that's why like MSU hockey could win all at once. It'll never have that back again, as long as basketball is, is where it is. And because I do think you're right. It does it, it from a self-esteem perspective, from an identity perspective, that is um, where Michigan state fans have found themselves. I do believe in terms of a stirring the soul and what they would like. The question would be if you had to trade one for the other and you could only win in one and, and you could win big in one, what would it be? And I think deep down you would find more would say football. And that would be true in every city in America that had more that had an NFL team and a baseball team and, or a hockey team or a basketball team or whatever. I mean, that's just, that's just who it's we not are. every college though. It's not Duke. It's not North Carolina. No, but are you players. kidding? Are you kidding me? If Duke had a football team, it's all of a sudden beating Alabama in the national title game. Oh, come on, you think man. They would trade their basketball absolutely, team for that? If, absolutely they would because there are more people that fundamentally like football and relate to football. It's just it's just different. You know, for better and for worse, that's our sport. Right? I mean, you know what I mean? It's how, it's how we're viewed around the world to some degree in the sporting scene, along with the NBA because that's the other team. That's the other sport that people in baseball which everybody finds boring sorry carlos i'm saying outside of that there's a reason it's not well, played we, that's we, we, had, go. we had that conversation i think wasn't it last week right about which which uh how many schools have dominant programs right in football and basketball and there aren't that many but sean i, I do agree like you give any university its pick would you rather be a football school or about they're gonna always pick football you know i mean absolutely but, <laughs> but i don't i don't agree with some of the true blue bloods right like like duke I, that you know i mean my my brother-in-law works for duke i've spent a lot of time down there that that whole you know uh Krzyzewski bill and all that they're not letting that go and they're they know even if they got good for a little while unless they became Duke becomes a national football power somehow, you know. Well, that's my point. Gonna happen, but, but they would but that, never let go of that. The universities, I think the universities know this, right, Graham? I mean, they know, hey, man, let's lean into this as much it's as It's not we, feasible. Uh, 
right, Carlos? It's not, it's feasible. not feasible at Duke, but I'm saying in a fantasy world, if it actually were, of course they'd pick football. They would, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they would. Most, t- most schools know who they are. I mean, Graham, what, what, what do you think? I mean, how, how strong is that? Is the push in East Lansing for you know the Michigan State basketball games? I mean, it seems like it's you know they they really focus on promoting that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but there are a lot of empty seats at a lot of games still. Really, I mean, and some of that's coming out of a pandemic. It's been a little worse than it was a, a few years ago. But the um, it, it's you know you're trying to fill fourteen thousand. There are more games. It's 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 just different um, than it is at, at MSU and and uh, or sorry with 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 football. Um, you know, I, 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 I think. I mean, I think the Mel Tucker contract, the the fear of regret there, of having something happen like Saban or whatever, um, is really telling of of what what is wanted. And um, I also think what's you know, people think right now Mel Tucker's overpaid or did they should have they done this contract? They're so lucky they did the contract because can you imagine? The next poor sap who had this job felt Mel Tucker was at some other gig right now, and he was viewed as like the Lord of all creation. And this new guy comes in with this roster and is just losing. Like that would have been the the absolute nightmare because that guy would have zero traction, had almost no chance. Uh, instead, you get a better dose of reality, and whether he can do it or not, we'll see. But um, yeah, no, I, I look, I, I think. I mean, Sean and I just disagree on this, and I I think hoops is is right there. I think it's it's fifty fifty at Michigan State, but I think it's a smidge it's a smidge football, and I don't think that's everywhere in the country. I think there are, are a dozen um, of the, of the Power Five. I mean, mid majors are different, right? You have different cultures, different places, but certainly like because yeah, you go down to like Southern Illinois, that is basketball. I mean, they, they play one double A football, but that is a basketball haven. That whole area of the country. The schools that are south of I-80 in Illinois, into Kentucky, and that, for the most part, those are those are places where the head or the heart is is basketball. And the and the uh, and the Pacers are nowhere near as popular as the Colts, right? I mean, it's just and that's in Southern Indiana. By well, the that's way, a football I, thing. But that the Hoosiers, though, I'll tell you what. But you that's my to... point. It's always about. And I'm a, I'm a Hoosier. My mother was a Hoosier. Whatever. I, and I, I I love basketball. I'm not sure, a Texan. I, no, my dad was a Texan. Everything. I, I, it's it's like I'm it's like when you're Jewish, you know, you go with where your mother is. My dad was a Texan. I'm uh, I'm uh, my mom was a Hoosier. In any case, it, but that's the point, Graham. It's always football, and I get it. The football moves the needle more at state, ultimately, if they're in the Rose Bowl and the whole school's flying out to to Carl's home to take over Pasadena. Carl's isn't quite from Pasadena; he's a little south of there, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I didn't but, grow up in the swingers movie. Yeah, Sorry. No, no, but you're, but you're right. Hey, Graham, but we, we want to bring you back for one more segment. This is, this is such a big topic and we, we need to talk a little bit more. I think we can go a little bit longer. Sorry, Anjanette. It's just the way it's going to have to be. I, I definitely want to bring take back a break, Graham though. to talk about his, uh, Graham needs to talk about, you know, he's how much of a football school Michigan state is. Well, he wrote a basketball column today. So I want to, yeah, 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 that was yeah, poorly. Yeah. That was well-timed. <laughs> no, no, no. But, uh, no, we want to, cause I want to get your thoughts a little bit on Michigan football. And then let's get into the Pistons just for a second, because we, we did have a request to talk about that. And all, and all of a sudden they're kind of fun. We're taking requests. Yeah, okay. we well, you know we, we need to start doing it. Let's take one more quick break. We'll come back with a little bit of a shorter segment before we get to the favorite thing. And, uh, you know, Anjanette, uh, sorry, you're just going to have to live with a little bit of longer. Anjanette, sorry. That, no, I'm double sorry. Come on, Carlos. It's just how it goes. Like double dribbling. Yeah. Like Cade. Or traveling. Yeah, no, he doesn't double dribble. But you don't even know what a double dribble is. And we'll figure that out when we come back. All right. 
We'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Slaurie and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson, Sean. Carlson, uh, we probably ought to wrap this up at some point, but we got, we, you know, Graham has more things to say. It's his time. And, it's uh, his and you, couch and, is it, on it, fire. It is, it is his time. He was made for this moment. We're lucky he's in the company. By the way, have we mentioned that, that he's part of the the family, the Gannett family here? We've, we've said One that, One big right? family, yeah. Of course, who doesn't it, know the Lansing State Journal isn't part of the same family as the Free Press? Of course. Yeah, we all we're we're colleagues. We're not just we're not just good buds. Well, I think colleagues. he's wearing a Lansing right. lug nuts hat though. Like it's and that uh, uh he, ref- he you know he's had enough of like the Detroit area. I think that's really that's really what upset him is what time did you get home on uh, Sunday morning, Graham? Uh about three, and that was, but I saw the right after that. So uh, yeah. That- and where were you, by the way, Saturday afternoon? It was at your place. I had an unbelievable meal. It was a great, uh, great cookout, and uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. As you and I said, if we could have stayed at your in, in your den area there instead of going to the game, I think we would have done it. Oh, Sean, yeah, we Sean would. didn't fake an illness again and stay home and write from from watching TV. No, that was uh, you know that was when sometimes we get told by our our people up above that we can't go certain places these <laughs> days, right? You know, we we don't. We don't need to talk about that. I don't know. Maybe Graham does want to. By the way, just that. just Let's one thing, see. just so the, the the listener understands this, is people don't. As a journalist, when I'm home and I'm watching this, and I'm I'm like watching our website freep.com or lsj.com, and I'm seeing all this stuff unfold. That my first thought is always the poor, poor writers and editors, Andrew Hammond, who have to deal with this until god knows when as it's unfolding and as you know in the fog of war everything's going on nobody knows what's going on what new video is surfacing what who was involved what i mean i was like these guys are not gonna go to get to their houses or whatever until like four in the morning and they're not gonna sleep until six probably um so i really felt for you guys it's a lot a lot a lot of work the good thing is when Mel Tucker's statement came in at 9 a.m., I was just going to bed, so I was able to rework some things. And, and that's the worst thing, right? You get home, and you know the minute you open your eyes, you're going to start doing more work. There's going to be more yeah. stuff coming out. Oh, my God. So kudos to you guys, by the way. That Great great job. Yeah, the, those, those, those aren't fun nights, right, Graham? I, I mean, I was about to hit send. And then all of a sudden the fight happened and that was, yeah, that. I, you know, I wrote, you know, I sent the quick takes in with nothing about that. And then those are the things that sort of stand for a little while. And that, and, and that's okay. As long as you, I mean, to some degree, cause there was enough in the game that people wanted to read about and they're, they're going to be re- sort of over re- overridden, but, and it also helps that it was midnight. So certain people, you know, tune in for a while and then tune out, but yeah, no, it was a, 
I think I, I, I sort of was envious of the guys who were in the tunnel who witnessed it. It would have been easier to, to write it had I been there. Um, you know, Matt, Matt Charbonneau, who covers the uh, Spartans for the Detroit News, and we probably shouldn't. I know, I look, you know what? We're going to bleep that out. But you know, no, no, I'm sorry. We're human beings. We're talking about Michigan, Michigan State, trying to figure out how to get along. Well, the free press and the news figures, needs to figure out how to get along. And we're I just going to news. And we're just going to say about Matt, first of all, and give him credit because he's the one that took the video. And uh, sorry, uh, bosses out there, but Matt was in my car too, riding back home along with Graham. We're, we we take everybody in. This is how we do it. We're trying to set an example here for the rest of the world. Anyway, Matt <laughs> told us a great story, Graham, about that video because at that point, it's like 2.30 in the morning. It had almost 3 million views and how his daughter called him up or texted him or whatever and said, Dad, Dad, you're famous. You know, your video has this many views. Right. She doesn't care what he does most days at all. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, th- I, th- I thought that was great. All right. Before we get to the business real quick and because we got to honor our listeners requests tell me what uh tell us what and carlos has a question too but tell us graham what what's what do you think where this program's headed the next few years because there was so much hope a year ago yeah now there's the opposite so where is it right so so there is uh, there are two ways to look at it one is that like what happened saturday doesn't really change anything it was expected to be a michigan win um, they, they, and they won. And if anything, I thought Michigan state in certain ways was more competitive than I thought they might be. And the, the real question is whether, um, within a couple of years, Mel Tucker can recruit to a level that, that allows them to, uh, be in contention again. Um, so I, you know, I don't know where it's going, but I think in terms of the time you have to give Mel Tucker to be fair, and a lot of programs don't do this, but in Michigan state, they're going to, because, the administration is behind him. The donors are behind him. The AD is the one who made this move. Like the, the, he's their guy. They're not. They're you know. There may be things that happen on his staff. There may be other things, but they're not, there's not going to be a pressure on him to win or else. There. Um, that's just not the dynamic in place until he gets to a certain point. And to me, like, I think it's fair to judge a football coach to really judge where they're going to be able to take a program in their fourth year. Right. That's always what I've thought. Because you've got kind of usually your 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 first recruiting classes are redshirt juniors and seniors. You're starting to see your guys permeate the roster. Um, you, there should be real resemble. You should understand. We should understand where it, where it's going, even if it's not there yet. But for Tucker, it's such a weird situation, and it's going to be hard for MSU fans because, I mean, he didn't get the first recruiting class that most coaches get because Mark D'Antonio retired in February, so those aren't weren't his kids, and it was the weakest class D'Antonio had. And then COVID hit a month later and he recruits the first class on Zoom and none of those kids are ever on campus and you don't get that up. So it's there's that's not a great class. It's a pretty decent class potentially that came in last year. But so his first real recruiting class are true freshmen right now. And so that, that to me starts the clock of how many, you know, so I I think it, you got to allow, allow a guy to have three classes that start to play. Um, and that's going to be a take a level of patience it's going to be really hard for people because i think the problem is um you've seen the limitations of the transfer portal and yeah you can hit kenneth walker and that could be amazing and people forget the offensive line last year was just better that made a, that made a difference too i mean last year's offensive line with this year's team they wouldn't have the record they have um and so i i it, it's going to take time to know and i think there are reasons to have it's fair to have doubts given what you're seeing because the thing 
thing Mel Tucker did so well last year was he seemed to maximize who they were. He created this identity. They were, and they were a team that was getting everything out of who they could be. And that's what you want your coach on the rise, right? It's like, okay, you're building something. You understand that they're not there, but you're getting every, you're, you're everything you can be at that moment based on the coaching, based on the opportunities, based on maximizing your personnel in places you have advantages. And those are not things that are happening this year. And so I think there is there is reason to be concerned that it won't happen with this particular staff moving forward where that didn't exist a year ago. But in terms of the talent on the field, they just don't have it right now. And you have to give a guy – that's what you hired him to do. That's what you're paying him a lot of money to do. And it's fair to start judging him in those terms, I think, in 2024, 2025, but really not before then. So the clock isn't starting for a couple more years because of those two first years, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's just different than most. I mean, that's I didn't see that. What I didn't see initially is I didn't think everybody said, oh, the timing's bad. And there was arguments, but I thought oh, the timing's not horrible. Um, and it was better that Tucker was there for the pandemic than if Antonio had stayed and all that stuff. But in hindsight, when you start to look at trying to build a roster, what that did, I mean, coaches will tell you those first that first year when you come in, you get hired on Thanksgiving week or right after that and in the old recruiting days you still had two months so even if you've got you know 21 days and you're coming from another place you steal most of that class you you are able to sell a dream because you don't have a single blemish on the record there's lots of good stuff that happens in that first class that you never get again and they didn't really get that what he did get which worked to his advantage is the first year after the COVID year they won at, at a, a tremendous level, which gave him the ability to sell the program in different ways. And last summer you saw all that swagger and all that buzz and, and you saw the type of kids they were bringing in. And I thought this year, the over under for like expected four-star recruits ought to be like seven. And that was going into this whole year by this, you know, and that what's interesting is he's got still got more than that. They've lost some of them, but what's fascinating is the, the class is very small. Like the percentage of kids is largely four-star kids. They have not settled for other guys. They have not put offers out there for guys who are, you know, sort of their, their second choice. And it'll be interesting to see how it comes together late and how they fill it in and, and, and the choices that are made. Because that's why the recruiting rankings slip. You, you can Recruiting rankings aren't just, you know, how many guys, you, uh, how many great players you have. It's how many guys you have total. And so it's, it's not really a, a, a ranking that's indicative of, of the percentage of good players in the class. But at a certain point, you can't just have a 12 person class either. You have to, you have to fill it out. And so I'm very curious to see. And, and I, and I think there are all sorts of things he's banking on, like trying to play chess in a checkers game. Like he, Mel Tucker really thinks that NIL is going to blow up in a lot of places with recruits in December. Like there are already going to be kids whose promises were made to them that aren't going to, that aren't going to come to fruition. And before signing day, you're going to have kids who feel lied to at different places who chose those places for the money, who don't really want to be there, who they've been recruiting. And there are going to be a handful of guys that are on the market that you, you, you know, more than that, maybe that just are back on the market in December. So, you know, all that stuff's new. We'll see how it plays out. I, I, you know, I've, um, I've got less confidence in, in the staff now than I did a year ago. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, I, 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 you know, what he's done is still more than Michigan state's ever really done. So I, I I don't want to count him out either. So you're saying that Cade McNamara is going to be the starting quarterback next year for Michigan State? That's what you're getting at. I, I tell you what, I would not be I would not be stunned if it was not Peyton Thorne. I, I don't know where that'll go, um, but uh, you know, 
I, that, that's that stuff's interesting. And how you balance quarterbacks too, right? I, I would hate to be a coach in this day and age where you're trying to uh, keep a quarterback room decent without having all of them transfer out, and uh, but make sure you play the best one. No, it's like in a pickup game when I'm when I'm coaching when you're on the floor and I want to keep you out there to keep shooting 35 footers. You know what I mean? But I got to keep other guys happy and get them in the game. But you know, it's yeah, it's a, it's a tough balance, you know what I mean? It's you don't really get to defend so much too, so it's tricky. Yeah, right, right. I mean, but your offense is so good it doesn't matter right, if you defend right, or not. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, sometimes you try. And uh, I guess I guess that's about all a coach can ask. All right. Um Let's get your quick thoughts on, on on the Pistons here. I don't know if you saw them play Milwaukee last night or you saw them play against Golden State. I, I was at the Golden State game uh, Sunday night. Real quickly, Graham, and this is for Carlos too, uh, and I know maybe I'm just geeking out here, sorry, but I, I've forgotten a little bit what it's like when you go into an NBA arena and it's full and there's a transcendent sort of star, right, a generational player who's – part of the larger popular culture in the building and the buzz that creates in an arena. It's very unique and specific to the NBA. Every time he touched the ball, every time Steph Curry touched the ball, shot, whatever, it was just people rising, ooh and on. Ah, it's, it's just different. It's a different level. I mean, you know, I get it. Football is our sport, but it's unique to the NBA. And, and the fact that the Pistons won made it even more fun. It's the most fun night I've seen in Little Caesars Arena probably since they played Milwaukee in the playoffs a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing Jordan. My buddy and I had a 13. First moment we had a little bit of cash on our hands as, as freshmen in college. We got a 13-game mini-pack to the Pistons in 1998. Real, real, you know, the first of many questionable financial decisions. And, uh, <laughs> and it's all the uh, Bison Daley uh, team and, you know, team that didn't, didn't go anywhere. But Jordan's final run with the Bulls was that year, and that was one of the tickets. And that game, I mean, I, I still – remember that game and the way that building felt at the palace having him in the arena and you know it was uh yeah i can imagine it's the same thing yeah no it's very similar because i remember yeah i saw jordan play as a rookie in san antonio i drove down with buddies from Austin you were not the same age college. you drove to see jordan play as a rookie <laughs> i was being, i was in a car seat when jordan was <laughs> well he was playing the uh, artist gilmore's Spurs uh, in, in San Antonio and I was living in Austin and it was 84 and he was a freshman in the butt. Anyway, we don't want to go down that road, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was fun. So real quickly, and I know Carl says a basketball question here too. Do you, Graham, do you, do you see a team that can at least be a little bit entertaining this year? I mean, obviously they're going to lose, they're going to lose more than they win, but um, they came out of the gate a little bit slow. They were unsure. The chemistry wasn't quite there and they, and it looked like they weren't trying, even though they were basketball can be like that. But they're really getting after it the last few games, and um, and they've become kind of fun. They are fun, and what makes them more fun, though, and I think more fun than how they play. And I think that you know having the Ivy Cade backcourt is, is fun to watch. Jalen Durant. I mean, all, there's all. But what makes it more fun is when I think most fans can stand watching a losing team uh, if they feel like the pieces for the eventual winning are on the roster. Like, there's nothing worse than than watching. A, a team and going not only can this team not win but none of these guys are going to be around when they do that's true and so the i mean and that's where it's been with the tigers at times and, and late in the stan van gundy era it was like this is a total and it's 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 why i believe it's the worst thing to be is like a, a a team that's ceiling is a four or five seed because like the new york knicks are further than anybody from a title because they don't even realize it yet then they have to lose 
Then they have to tear it down. Then they have to start over. That's like a decade. They don't even know it. They're to every, everybody who's worse is better is in a better shape than the Knicks. But so the Pistons have what what you want. They have a um, you got a savvy GM in terms of what everybody thinks, uh, and, and I think that's right. Somebody who's who's made some really shrewd and good moves and revamped the roster quickly. So you have somebody that people believe in making decisions, and then you have a roster full of young guys that you don't know what a lot of these guys are going to become yet, but there's a pretty good chance that several of them are going to be good NBA players. And, you know, and then you, you may, I, and, and so that, that alone makes it entertaining. I, I, I like the, um, I like some of the roster construction. Like I, I, I love the idea of Ivy and Cade together because Cade is a very cerebral player. Uh, Ivy is otherworldly athletic. And I think that's good for Jaden Ivy um, to have Cade next to him and what those two potentially can be. Uh, you know, Duran is just fun to watch, and you have him, him and Stewart are so different. Um, so there are obviously certain guys will develop. Not everybody will be there, but on a nightly basis to to get to see different guys who you think are going to be a part of things just makes it fun. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. You know, when you when you not only when you have a little bit of hope, but there's like this group that's that you can see is kind of growing up at the same time and you can maybe, I mean, this is, I don't want to, I, I hate to use this team as an example, but a long time ago, right. When the Lions had Calvin and, and Stafford, you know, at the beginning of their careers, that's, that's what people thought was going to happen. And of course it did happen. They won several Super Bowls together. Right. But, um, but that is the hope. And, and even though they weren't good at the time, it was like, wait, this can be the start of something. And I think that's what, that's all fans really can hope for and expect. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, you know, what, what the future is, what pieces are going to be added or, or if it's not going to work or there's, you know, whatever, there's going to be some dysfunction down the road, but. Hope is a powerful thing in sports. And when you, when you're a fan base that has hope, you can deal with some stuff. You can deal with some losing. That's it's, that's what Sean Sean Windsor's built a career in writing about hope. So yeah, well, it's, no, it's definitely it's, a great it's, thing. Uh, it's just built a career in writing about reality because that's our business and that's that's what people want and that's just kind of where we're at. I, I just try to tap into actual world out there, Carlos. It might uh, be interesting if you ever did. But no, no look, no. you've you've I'm built not a, seventy years old like you and Graham. Okay? You built a, wisdom. You built a career and staying in your own little bubble, and that's fine for you. That's that's good for you, you know, Chef Boyardee. That's uh, that's. <laughs> That's, that's really awesome. Hey, Graham, before you let you go, um, and we're putting you on the spot here a little bit, sorry, but you're good at this. We finish our show with what we call, what do we call it, Carlos? My favorite thing? My favorite thing was Sean just, I, I see my favorite thing and Sean just says, yeah, what you said. All right, we're done. Yeah. He doesn't right. like it. He, okay, he calls here. me the curmudgeon, but I'm the one who has the favorite thing every week. Okay. All right, here are the ground rules. And I think I was just going to upset our sound editors because I was uh, tapping. Pounding? No, I wasn't pounding. I was tapping something on the desk. Um, he's been, he's been, he's been chastised by the way. Yeah, I have pounding his desk and he messes up the audio. Well, Graham, you, Graham, you read Carlos. I mean, wouldn't you pound your fist on the desk too? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. It's a very reasonable subscription. I don't know why he wouldn't. Yeah. Right. In any case. So here, here's a quick ground rules, Graham. So it's called my favorite thing. And really what it is, is something that you enjoyed, really enjoyed a moment, whatever it could be anything over the course of the last week. So uh, your favorite moment to be a human being, to be alive, whatever, to be breathing in the last week. It could be anything. Something as, as simple as a TV show, a moment with your wife, something with work, anything at all. Something you ate. Maybe, maybe you ate some Rocky Road ice cream. I don't know. 
<laughs> so Carlos will go first, and you think about what that might be for you, and then uh, and then we'll get to you. Uh, my favorite thing is that uh, on Halloween night, uh, Sean, as you know, we're empty nesters now, so um, we didn't have anything to do, and we always do hand out candy no matter what, you know. And when you have teenagers, it doesn't matter anyway; they don't help. So we've kind of been used to it, but we got invited over a good friend's house, and they're just about empty nesters. So we we're like, you know what? It was really fun to go over there, have some cocktails. And uh, hand out a little bit of candy. Uh, but the favorite thing was that the Powerball lottery was uh, up to a billion dollars, Sean. And um, and, and you so, won. Well, I don't know if I won. I haven't checked my ticket yet, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm because, you know, frankly, if I won, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast right now. But uh, I would have done the last one probably. But uh, but we were we had fun just kind of uh having some cocktails and kicking around, what would you do with a billion dollars? Um, I love to play this game, by the way, with my wife. She hates it. She thinks like, you're not going to like, why are you even talking about something stupid? That's never going to happen because you're materialistic. I'm materialistic. And, you know, and I would, uh, I would definitely contribute to the Sean Windsor humanitarian fund. That would be the first thing that I, you know, throw some money at. But uh, the funny part was, I think my, my first thing was, I think I would, buy an island or something or move away i'd be on some tropical paradise the minute that i that i won that money of course i'd give a lot of it to charity and stuff of uh for sure for tax purposes but of course but the bit the funny thing was between all four of us neither one nobody in the group their little dream plan had nothing to do with anybody with their partner it was just like everybody had their individual <laughs> dream of well i would i would move here i'd go to new york and have a, a apartment on you know on park avenue or whatever well i'd move yeah i'd go to hawaii and um, so it's funny how we've never really considered our spouses in our dream uh, scenario, but uh, so it was it was fun. So what you're saying is that we have no hope for the Michigan Michigan State rivalry because by our natures we're you selfish, know, selfish people, and there's just there's no way of coming together. Is that what you're saying? We, is that what you're, you're absolutely right. And then, but but for you and Graham Couch, Mister Logistics, I would build another tunnel. It would be the Sean Windsor, the Windsor Tunnel, right, right next to the Lloyd Carr Tunnel. And we'd have finally we'd have unity. We'd have peace for all mankind by having two tunnels, two different entrances, and probably different bathrooms too for both. Well, teams. we can't we can't have peace. Uh, we're never going to have full unity, obviously. But we can't have barbecue. And um, and I was reminded of that this past week. And the, and I guess that's my favorite thing. I had a couple of uh, the Michigan State out of town contingent came over Saturday. Well, some of them, and. Um, and I barbecued a little bit. The weather was nice. And uh, we sat around. And we haven't done that in prices before COVID, right, Graham, I would say? Yeah, it been a while. No, it had been a while. And um, sometimes late in the season, uh, late, late in the barbecue, this is really late in the barbecue season. Obviously, the leaves are about off. Um, you lose your game a little bit, Graham, you know? You get out of rhythm a little bit. Or maybe, you know, maybe you're tired or there's something going on. And you, so you worry a little bit. Ah, is this going to be... Well, to, to be honest with you, Graham, that was probably the best spread of the summer. Now, admittedly, we didn't do it a lot. We had some stuff going on at the house, but uh, I would have to say that was that was the the best shoulder of the summer and the best cucumbers and everything else. And um, it just sort of happened that way. It was a fluke, and I'm grateful for that. And um, and that was my favorite thing that we got to share with you guys. Wait, 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 wait. So, so you invited me over for barbecue uh, a month you had fried, ago. You had fried chicken. You and you That's tried the barbecue. shoulder on me. I was your Texas Southern warm up game for no. The you didn't have shoulder. Graham Couch and I Matt made Charbonneau. you ribs. I made ribs for you. You made everything. And, I couldn't believe how much food you made for and what, fried chicken. Five people. I mean, 
I am, Sean is responsible for at least 30 pounds that I'm carrying because <laughs> like uh, on the road, he'll, th- he'll order desserts and just want to taste. <laughs> and then he just yes. pushes it toward you. And you what is this? Like, that's yes. not, it's not, that's not cool, man. Like, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So my favorite thing, and I, you know, I mean, there are lots of things. One trick or treat or Halloween night with my wife hanging out candy had in-laws mom over all that stuff. It's our neighbors get into it. we got tiki torches on the front yard. It's fun. It's a great <laughs> night, but that's easy. You've said that the, um, hanging out with Sean, certainly hanging out with Sean's boys, you know, uh, Matt and Chris, whatever, you know, those guys are, uh, but, uh, um, and then you know, I also hit a 30 footer in a pickup game not long ago that <laughs> no, that I, would I, be I, my, I, that just, would absolutely be my favorite thing. Ended it. And it was also a new guy guarding me who hadn't been around. So usually, you know, the 42 year olds there, you get a new guy is a little athletic. He's stupidly playing off me and you just <laughs> boom. And, and like, and, and I called and I think it was, it was either that shot or another one. I call, sometimes I call game even when I don't hit it. If the wild the balls in the air. So it was, it was perfect. Um, also had a, you know, one of the simple joys in life, had a buddy text me late in the evening with a with a, a bet he really liked on a Liga MX game. I love that stuff. Like late at night, I put on uh, the extra soccer channels I've, I've purchased and uh, you, you put like 30 bucks on a game and you just sit there and you get all into it. And, and my team covered and it was fun. Those are the small joys in life. <laughs> You, who did you have? Pumas? What, what was it? That? Was uh, oh shoot! No, I, I, I should have had that ready. I do that to be ready for a follow up question. You know, uh, funny, uh, uh, Graham, our our, our you won money was, on them. You should know their t- their name. Yeah, yeah. Our friend who uh, our mutual friend who you've been uh, a champion of for a long time is really talented. Uh, James Edwards, who covers the Pistons for the Athletic, was telling me a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how this came up, but getting back to Curry real quick. When 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 Curry was coming off, the, I think the first. First or second year, the Warriors were in the playoffs. They were playing the Nuggets. They were in Denver. He's in the corner right in front of the bench. And Andre Iguodala was telling this story about when he knew Curry was a little bit different. And he's he's in the corner in front of the Nuggets bench in the playoff game and lets a three go as the Nuggets behind him. The whole bench is yelling at him, you know, like miss it, Noonan, miss it or whatever. They, you know, just trying to distract him, yelling at him. He lets the ball go, turns around to the bench as the ball's in midair and says, shut up. And starts running up down the court, and then the the ball, of course, just splashes through the net. And so James Edwards is telling me that's his lifelong dream, yeah, his lifelong goal to be that confident and sure of yourself. And uh, for him on a basketball court, but just for anybody in any moment in life to well, feel to feel I'm what not, he was feeling in that moment as he turns around and says, "Shut up." I'm that's James Edwards' goal. Yep, yep, yep. He's like, that's his lifelong goal to feel that. Just for one second, I am so. I am that delusional on a court. So I I, I have felt that many a times. <laughs> Not always goes in, but I am always confident. Uh, well, if you're calling game, but are you running back down the other way towards your your guys or whatever the at the, the water fountain? As you say, game, you turn around and next time go run to the bathroom or the water fountain. Oh, done. Yeah, I will do that. This okay. <laughs> Release a shot, call game, and turn around and sprint off the court and see what that's like. I think that would be great. All right, Carlos, anything else before we wrap up this show? We don't want to get in too much trouble with our, our bosses here. No, no. If you play golf with me, you'll, you'll see that step curry confidence for me. So one of these days. So you hit the shot and then you start oh, I, talking. I make the, I, I, I swing the putter on the 20 footer and I walk away. I don't even look. I, I just listen for the little rattle in the cup. 
That is awesome. That's awesome. I can see you doing that. Yeah, but I, I would not. It's golf. It's the white man sport. So you would never call it cool, would you, Sean? You would refuse. No, it's uh no, I no, you're right. It's not cool. Tiger unless Tiger it. does it, unless Tiger does it. No, Tiger kind of made it. Tiger kind of made it cool for a while. Is golf cool, Graham? I think it's cool. Yeah, golf is. It's yeah, fun. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's it can be fun. Yeah, yeah. it's difficult. It's exceedingly difficult. Cool, cool yeah. is a strong word. Yeah, yeah. In any case, I'd love the idea of you walking off uh, after you've hit the putt, Carlos. That's that's a fun image. All right, Carlos, uh, let's let's wrap this up. Graham's got places to be. We have places to be. Um, uh, our editor, excuse me, our producer, Andrew Hammond, is, uh, has had enough of us also. And we need to thank him because with this podcast does not happen without him. We need to thank Kirk Crawford and Ajanette Delgado, co-executive producers, and our editor, executive editor, Peter Batia. We should just say he's our editor. We want to thank you, uh, the listener, for joining us and taking some time. You can find uh, the Free Press Sports with Carlos Deshaun wherever you find your favorite podcasts on Spotify, Apple. Uh, Graham Couch maybe starting his own platform. So whenever that happens, we'll let you know and you can find it there. In any case, uh, Graham, thanks again for joining us. It's been uh, enlightening. Thanks for spreading your wisdom. We will uh, get you on down the road. Until next week, we will talk to you soon. Every time that we gather, we got all